0: Good morning today is the day it is Friday the 16th of August what what a joy what a joy to be with you this morning so I have been um, dutifully seeking to fulfill the some 220 requests uh, <laughs> for my book from listeners so if you um, if you texted or you emailed for a copy of the book and you haven't received it yet it's because I'm only actually halfway done putting them in envelopes and putting your mailing labels on. And some of you gave us uh, inaccurate zip code information. So that's been fun at the post office. But it's been a really good experience learning your names and the names of the places that you live. And for those of you who are listening and you're saying, what, what? There was a giveaway of Speak the Truth and I missed it. You know what? I'm so crazy and I'm now so uh, having so much fun making labels and praying over people and in places, in little towns that I've never heard of before, but I'm having a really good time with my local post office uh, processing all of these. If you didn't have an opportunity to text in or email in on the day that we gave away copies of Speak the Truth, which is my book, and you want to do that now, (laughs) I'm just feeling Friday loony enough to do it. So if you want a copy of Speak the Truth and you did not already request one, Uh, you can go ahead and text today, 877-933-2484, or you can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. We need your name and your actual physical mailing address, or the whole thing makes no sense. Because, you know what, the post office will not process an email address, nor a phone number as a way of fulfilling a book order. So, if uh, again, if you missed out on the opportunity to request a free copy of Speak the Truth, which is my book, How to Get God Back into Every Conversation, and you want one, Hey, I'm I'm like I don't know I don't have any alliteration for like Friday looniness, but um, I don't know maybe in honor of the Minnesota State bird, which is the loon, uh, I'm giving away copies. So you can text me at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four, or you can email me Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. dot com. Again, your full name and actual like physical mailing address. Otherwise, uh, it's just a silly process. Okay, um, now to the news of the day. Apparently, um. I found this kind of fascinating. Our president may be entertaining the idea of buying Greenland. (laughs) I don't know. That kind of got me giggling this morning. Uh, Spam is releasing a a pumpkin spice flavored version of its uh, delectable item for the fall season. One of the things I'm definitely going to want to follow over the course of the next several weeks. What is what is pumpkin spice flavored that just really shouldn't be? Just you know, I'm I'm not a big. I mean, I think pumpkin pie should taste like pumpkin spice. Like I think that's good. And I actually put some pumpkin spice on um on my uh, apple slices before I dehydrate them. Like because I like that flavor. I think those two things go together. Uh, pumpkin spice spam. I don't see any re- pumpkin spice potato chip. I don't see any reason for these things. If it's supposed to be savory, let it be savory. If it's supposed to be, you know, well, I don't know. Now you're probably gonna blow me up on uh, on Twitter. I'm at Carmen LaBerge. Pictures and ideas and thoughts about what is pumpkin spice flavored and need not be. That might be a fall conversation that we have. All of you are saying to yourself, what in the world has this to do with Jesus? You know what? He is Lord of it all. And I stood in awe of the Lord this morning as I watched the moon set. It, I, it, if you're not up yet, like out and about up, get up. Uh, if you if the moon has not yet set where you are, because I don't know, there's something really special about it this morning. It's it's big. It's bright. It seems quite near. I know. I know. It's probably not. But that's my um uh, that was my take on it. All right. Uh, Matt Hawkins is waiting in the wings to talk about serious matters. Like, really, we are going to talk about really serious matters. We're going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about the change in immigration law this week that went into effect in relationship to public benefits. And we're going to talk about um, evangelicals' response to this new public charge rule. All right, all of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now is Matthew Hawkins. You can follow him on Twitter at mthawk. You can also find him at MatthewThawkins.com. Uh, He is making the intersection of religion and politics less scary to all of us. So, Matt, welcome back.
1: Thank you very much, Carmen.
0: All right, you and I are going to talk.
1: Speaking of very important things, do you know what today is?
0: Other than Friday?
1: (laughs) It is (laughs) the launch day of the 2019 Wilson County Fair here in Tennessee. (laughs) It's spectacular. Okay, you know we
0: have listeners. I know. You know that the people listening right now are... Are like Iowa State Fair and Minnesota State Fair yeah, people. And they're like I trying know. to even imagine what a county you fair is. You have in. no
1: idea, you two. I've lived <laughs> in both states. I'm a Minnesota. Hey, I, I'm not going to take a knock at anyone's other county fair. It's just. No, I no, 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 no. We're not talking with, county
0: fair. This is the problem, Matt. You no, no, and I no, no, no. are jazzed. Yeah. We're jazzed about our county fairs.
1: <laughs> I, I, Go I ahead. What told, are you excited about am, the county fair, man? In the context of. I am told, in the context of Tennessee, at least, it is a deal here. The Wilson County Fair is a bigger deal than the state fair is all I'm saying. And <laughs> baby baby animals, pigs and baby goats were born yesterday. And they're going to be lots more throughout the week. So we're going to take our three year old <laughs> on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. My wife may or may not have taken off a day of work next week so we can go Sands kiddos. You know, we just. Oh, I love it.
0: I love yeah. it. OK, well, we're going to have to have a report back on the Wilson County Fair.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, our will listeners now, are all rolling their eyes, just the so you know. I know yeah, they are. I, I know. Yeah, it's we, OK. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: Eye sure. rolling is OK, but if you're driving a vehicle in any one of those states, as you roll your eyes, keep them open. OK, so um, that's my public service announcement. Matt, we have like you and I are going to try to have a serious conversation. Uh, Friday is not my best day for serious conversations, but I'm going to I'm I'm going to do my best. We're going to talk about immigration. There has been a significant rule change in terms of how the United States um, uh, handles Medicaid, food stamps, housing assistance, other public benefits in relationship to. Immigrants. Tell us what the rule change is and what it means.
1: Yeah. The short of it is that uh, the federal government is basically trying to discontinue um, <clears throat> public benefits and uh, basically rule out uh, illegal immigrants from uh, from participating in uh, some of the most basic forms of public benefits, federal, uh, federally subsidized public benefits like uh, nutrition, food programming, uh, forms of Medicaid, and uh, subsidized housing. And so, uh, that, that's going into effect. And, uh, it's, again, it's part of, uh, an over kind of an overarching theme that we're seeing from this administration, um, that it really you know, targets, uh, immigrants. Uh, now look, I, I think as, as Christians and uh, as Americans, I think people of goodwill, I think can disagree on the, on the particulars of, uh, extending public benefits to, uh, undocumented, uh, undocumented war, uh, immigrants. Um, I think I'm most concerned with two, two things, uh, mostly number one, our attitudes as Christians, uh, in all of this, uh, as Christians, we have, we have no room to, um, uh, Think think ill of immigrants, um, or as we've seen, even from uh, even from border patrol agents themselves, uh, speaking ill of of immigrants in a way that is dehumanizing, uh, that views them as first a threat, uh, some kind of invading force, um, and uh, so we need to reconcile our attitudes towards uh, people who are coming to this country for whatever reason they're coming to this country, um, and then also as a government. Uh, is concerned. We need to be concerned about counterproductive. As we saw in the raids last week that separated uh, women, uh, parents from their children, you have parents arriving home um, or children arriving home without their parents because they've been uh, scooped up by by ice. Um, Look, uh, most of these people, their their only guilt is of a misdemeanor level. Uh, And I don't think like I said last week, that uh, separating parents from children in some kind of uh, dramatic raid like that uh, is, is necessary for enforcement. But the counterproductive side of that is you're creating a culture in an entire community, entire communities across the country that are going to develop a distrust for law enforcement. That has ramifications well beyond immigration. Um, and that really is. kind of And so uh, people stop reporting other crimes. Um, uh, including violent crimes, uh, gun crimes, drug crimes, uh, sexual assault crimes, rape. Um, people are scared to go to the police then because even at the local police, even though uh, people who don't have jurisdiction over immigration, um, that, that, that just creates a, a system or a kind of a cycle of fear and distrust where other crime uh, uh, is not reported. Um, and we need to be really cautious about policies that uh, create more intention, more more um, tension and distrust uh, between um, people who are living here, uh, residents, Ill- illegal or otherwise, and the government. And so I'm concerned about the long term big picture here.
0: All right. So I feel like um, one of the things that as Christians we need to be really aware of today is that this has um, – This has maybe created an opportunity is one way to view this, but it has certainly created an urgency in filling what will be um, an immediate need in every one of our communities. There will now be uh, people who are our neighbors, regardless of their um, regardless of their status. If they're living here, they are our neighbors. And so regardless of their um, status as citizens or um, immigrants, if they're our neighbors, then we as Christians Um, are going to have a moral obligation to fill this gap, to meet this need. Um, When we see hungry people, we need to be seeing Jesus. When we see people who don't have shelter, we need to be seeing Jesus. And we need to be um, Christ engaging um, in those situations and scenarios. And so as you're listening to Matt and I this morning, I want you to uh, remember the conversation we had yesterday yesterday. Um, With Terrence Lester about, you know, seeing people actually seeing people who are otherwise invisible to us today of chief concern are seeing those invisible people who are uh, in your in your community, who um, who really are living at the very margin of the culture. And they're doing so trying to raise their family and do the best they can. And now they're going to need some real help from you, their neighbor. Um, because they're not going to be able to access the kinds of government programs that maybe they had access to uh, just just days ago. All right, Matthew uh, uh, Hawkins and I are going to return to this conversation in just a moment. We're going to talk about some recent polling related to immigration. And you can see, you know, wow, does that line up with how I feel about whether or not people should have a path to citizenship? Um, You you kind of see where where you stand in regard to our neighbors around the country here in the United States, about those who would seek to be citizens of the United States, uh, people who we call immigrants. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so as I hear that, uh, as I hear that walk-up music, um, I'm I'm reminded that we need to be praying today for the people in Hong Kong. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but it certainly appears as if China is amassing a huge paramilitary force um, that seems poised to uh, possibly this weekend go in and, and crush those demonstrations and those uh, pro-democracy. Advocates, and so uh, let us be praying ardently. Seven hundred thousand Christians in Hong um, Kong—they have been actively engaged in these protests in many ways. Um, We talked very early on, uh, ten weeks ago, uh, about the the fact that the protesters were singing Alleluia choruses um, as a part of what was going on, and they are praying at the margins of the protests. Uh, They're certainly advocating that it continue to be nonviolent. Uh, when it turns violent, they are leading the repentance effort uh, in terms of restoring it to uh, a to peaceable protest. Let's be praying for everyone engaged and involved, and let's be absolutely um, advocating that somehow, some way, a peace would prevail. All right, so I've got Matthew Hawkins with me this morning. He and I are talking about things here in the United States. We're talking about immigration. Um, you know, Matt, one of the reasons people leave uh, places is that they feel persecuted, either Uh, either religiously or um, or they are having an experience where there are gangs and they don't feel safe. And uh, and we all know the motivation to simply want to raise our children in a place of peace and prosperity. And so the motivation to want to come to the United States of America, uh, you know, is not unreasonable um right. but views of immigrants are pretty polarized. Tell us um yeah. give us a little you know give us a little uh, there've been lots of of polls and surveys recently um tell us what you think you know about where Americans stand on immigration today.
1: Yeah. You're right. You're right, Carmen. No, immigration is really polarized and has been for, you know, well over a decade. I've, I've been working on immigration issues uh, dating back to at least the 2007 attempt uh, at a comprehensive reform package under under the Bush administration that, that didn't materialize. Uh, then again, I think in maybe 2011, 2013. And we, we just keep getting it feels like we keep getting further apart on some of this. Um one thing that I always encouraged me when I was at the ERLC is that when we would get people uh, calling who had maybe heard heard about something or a position that the ERLC had, had taken, um, we we just pointed them to the facts. Like this is the documents we share. This is what we support. When you had someone who was uh, a- able to listen or exchange emails, um, we told them the facts, and the more they got. Uh, more they learned about the particular issues, uh, they were like-minded with us. And th- that was always encouraging to me. Um, a recent poll from Gallup indicates that support for allowing these, quote-unquote, border refugees into the U.S. edges up. Um, so we're seeing some movement, even among the Republicans, uh, that indicates uh, a softening, I think, um, uh, towards these this particular gathering of uh, folks at the border, um, you know, I think they certainly have been. Uh, you know, they've left. They're across their borders. They're not. They're not Mexicans. Um, they're from Central America, from various countries. As you as you say, there are, uh, a lot of people have fled for gang related reasons. Um, and, and the one thing I, I think is new here for us in the international community is I think that uh, were used to asylum claims and uh, and refugees for reasons of war and for reasons of religious persecution and for reasons of political um, persecution. And I think the gang thing is new. And so I, it's a little bit out of my scope as far as uh, as international legal precedent is concerned. Um, but I think that that seems to be creating a hurdle, um, at least within this administration. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a, a natural um, warming to saying, hey, yeah, we recognize that gang violence is so bad in your country that that qualifies as a as a category uh, within the refugee and asylum uh, project. So um I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm not sure legally speaking what, what all the details are, uh, but I do, I do think that's a new factor um, that uh, certainly U.S. border, the, our whole, our big picture U.S. border and immigration system has not uh, completely adapted to and is figuring out um, the situation. But 39% of U.S. Uh, of people, almost you know 40% um, do agree that the U.S. border with Mexico has a crisis situation going on. Uh, I think it's relatively accurate Um, for allowing refugees in is up among Republicans. It's still really, really low among republicans yeah. uh december last year it was like what like 14% uh were sympathetic uh that's up to 24% um so it's still really low um but it is it is moving and that's a significant uptick in about a year and i think that that comes with knowledge um and and more images from the border recognize what what's going on there and that these you know even if there are political motivations uh uh, stimulating people to, you know, walk thousands of miles. Look, a lot of these, these are people are pawns. Uh, they're escaping violence. They're escaping poverty. Um, they may not qualify for the, um, typical, uh, or kind of established themes for refugees and asylees. Um, but they, they deserve our sympathy and they deserve, um, and, you know they deserve when they're in the care of u s government um, officials they deserve humanitarian aid and care, including mm-hmm. food toothbrushes, places to sleep um, and and families to be together when whenever possible
0: all right so we have uh we've talked here on several occasions about what churches and Christians on both sides of the border are doing, um, and so we want to certainly continue to support and encourage those efforts. Um we are sort of the supply lines to those things, and so if you are uh, if you're out there and you have a heartbeat for um for immigrants and for people who are seeking asylum here in the United States fleeing not only poverty but real uh i mean real persecution in the countries where they live um the dangers uh related to living in uh, living in countries where uh, there is no rule of law um and and very little opportunity uh and so as we consider those things, let's be supporting those who live in border communities and are literally on the front lines of helping those in need. Uh, Matt, thank you so much, as always, for joining us today. We look forward to a report on the Wilson County Fair. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Carmen. Have a probably great Probably
0: by your daughter. Like I probably need her right. on to talk about that. Yeah, she's three. <laughs> that would be fun. That'd be, All right.
1: that'd be really fun. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really fun.
2: <laughs>
0: All right. Hey, have a great weekend. Thanks, Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. Thanks to uh, all of you who have texted in or emailed in that you are interested in getting a free copy of my book, Speak the Truth, How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation. And if you're just tuning in and you say to yourself, hey, I missed out on that. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You can text your name and mailing address to 877-933-2484, or you can email that same information, name and physical mailing address to Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. I will personally send you a copy of Speak the Truth, how to bring God back into every conversation. Part of my motivation to do this is we are going to, in a couple of weeks, be doing what we call fall share. And so we want to be sharing with you um, what it is that God produces in and through our lives because we're going to be inviting you to share back with us. Um, and so this is, uh, this is the share that goes one direction every single day out over this broadcast medium. Um, and we want to send you some love as well in the mail. So if you want a copy of Speak the Truth, Today's the day to give me, uh, well, don't call me. Text me at 877-933-2484. Email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm happy to share a copy with you for free. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. Next up, Don Everts. All right, so... um, I just, uh, I just on my Twitter feed, I just came across something, you know, disturbing. And so I, I'm just mindful that there's so much going on in the world today that needs our prayers, requires our prayers, because it requires God's attention. It's happening to people in places that we cannot physically reach or circumstances that um, we are so distant from that, you know, we would not be in a position to render any kind of tangible aid. Prayer is powerful. Um, you and I know that as Christians. Not everybody knows that, and not everybody has the same view of um, when we say, hey, I'll pray for you. Not everybody has the same view of really what we're offering. So let me encourage you to be mindful of de- today of that reality. And if you need prayer, we do that. We do that right here at My Faith Radio. When, um, when listeners text or call in or email us with their prayer concerns, we pray for them by name. Um, over the circumstances of their lives. And so if you've got something on your heart or in your life today that you say, you know what, I'd I'd love for my Faith Radio family to be praying for me, with me, in the midst of this, Uh, we're going to encourage you to communicate those prayer concerns with us. So you can text us your prayer concerns. um, If that seems a little, I don't know, hard, but you can. It's 877-933-2484. You can also just go to the website, myfaithradio.com, um, and there's a place to share your prayer concerns with us there. Or you can email us. Um, again, my email address is Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. If you email me, your prayer concerns will certainly lift them up um, as a Faith Radio family. Um, also, for those of you that are blowing up the text line with requests for the book, thank you. I love hearing from you. We are giving away free copies of Speak the Truth, uh, How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation. It's my book. We're giving it away free today during the broadcast. And so you can text your name and mailing address to 877-933-2484. You could email that same information to me at Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back.
2: I just got a new update on my phone that calculates my daily screen time. And honestly, I was a bit shocked. Hi, this is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. I found out I'm spending much more time on my phone than I thought. I realized I needed to step away from the phone for a while and use it as a tool to connect with people, not a destination that distracts me from the important things in life. You can think about money the same way. It's a tool to help you take care of your needs and the needs of your family, to protect you against the unexpected, and to make a difference in your church and your community. But when money becomes a destination, your measure for success or your goal for life, it's a sign that your priorities may not be aligned with your faith. So go ahead, enjoy the good things life has to offer, but keep your priorities in order. And remember, your purpose in life is much greater than the things you own.
0: So some months ago, um, we talked about the Barna Research uh, released in in a report on how Christians approach spiritual conversations in the digital age. We talked about it here on the show. Now um, we're going to talk with Don Everts about his book on that subject. And so there's a reason we're doing this, and it's because most of us do not accurately see ourselves in terms of our own witness for Christ, like how many spiritual conversations we're actually engaging in and how— um, How beautiful we are in the midst of that? Are we communicating uh, the gospel, the actual gospel in all of its beauty and truth in the way we're walking it out into the world? And so that conversation is the one I'm going to have right now with Don Everts. Uh, many of you might know him as a writer for um, Lutheran Hour. I know him as one of the pastors of Bonham Presbyterian Church in the St. Louis area. Um, he is the author of many books. He's great at getting Christians off the sidelines and into the spiritual conversations of the day. Um, I'm thrilled to have him here today. Don Everts. welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Well, thanks. Great to be with you, Carmen.
0: It's great to have you. So um, uh, I, I would love to start with this this question of whether or not we see ourselves accurately in the mirror in terms of who we are as willing Um, or reluctant or excited or delighted witnesses for Jesus Christ? What do we know from the research?
3: Yeah, so the research did hold up a mirror to us, and it told us uh, a few things. Three quarters of all Christians in the United States have nine or fewer spiritual conversations a year. And uh, so that's like about, you know, one every month and a half or less. And that's not an evangelistic conversation. That's a conversation with anyone, Christian or not, about your faith. And so we're just, we're, the cat's got our tongue. We're just not talking about our faith. And what you talk about in terms of our self-perception, uh, it turns out when you dig into the research, like, why are we so quiet? Why are we not talking about our faith as much? There are a number of reasons for that. And we, we can get into a lot of those, Carmen, but a big one is how we see ourselves. Uh, and so 25 years ago, when people were asked uh, do you agree that it is the responsibility of every Christian to be a witness and share Jesus with others? 25 years ago, 89% of all Christians in our country said, yes, I I agree, of course. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. Today, the number has gone down to 67%. And so a huge drop in the number of people who's, who, who say, yes, it's part of my responsibility. And on the converse of that, Carmen, Uh, 25 years ago when people were asked, do you agree or disagree that it is the it is the role of the church to convert people to faith? Uh, 25 years ago, very few Christians said, well, yeah, I agree because they're no, that's it's my responsibility. And now more Christians say it's the job of the church. It's not my job as an individual Christian. So how we perceive ourselves has a big role in whether or not we're talking about Jesus. When you look at the quarter of all Christians who are having lots of spiritual conversations today the odds of them perceiving themselves as a witness that that's part of their identity in Jesus is really really high and so how we perceive ourselves how we understand ourselves directly affects it would seem how often we talk about our faith
0: so don i mean i you know i'm one of those people who if a day goes by without having a spiritual conversation, I feel like I have probably missed a divine appointment. And so it's yeah. really it is it is hard for me to even imagine that yeah. there are Christians who are in passionately in love with Jesus, who are kingdom minded, who who actually think that it's relevant. It's it's the most relevant thing in all of life that people would know God. There's nothing more important going on than God um, yeah. and and yet would not be sharing that with other people. Like, why would I be withholding the most precious gift I've ever received? And why would I assume that other people are going to come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is and what God is doing in all of human history in this giant redemptive arc of the gospel? Um, Why would I assume that they're going to find out about it in some way different than the way I found out about it, which was personal? Like most people, most people come by faith because of a personal interaction with another Christian. Why would I assume that the next generation is somehow going to be different?
3: Yeah. Well, you wouldn't. Uh, But there's something going wrong, right? There's something uh, in people that is making them more quiet. Uh, You're by nature uh, an eager conversationalist. And and there are a lot of people out there that the average Christian experience is people who are reluctant to have conversations. Now, why would that be Uh, in light of what you just said? Right. Which is all true. Uh, So there are a few reasons that 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 make people quiet. Uh, One of those is what people have seen happen in the name of evangelism. uh, And they've seen people out of anger or argumentation or like in a disrespectful way, talk about Jesus. And if people grow up thinking that's what it means to share the faith, either I mean to people and I awkwardly force Jesus into conversations or I don't, right? And that's a false choice, and we know that, but some of how people have seen people talk about Jesus has made Christians hold their tongue. A big one these days that the research showed us is fear. And so there is a, a, when when people were asked, why don't you have more spiritual conversations? There were a number of reasons, but the top reason was fear, that people are afraid that it will cause tension uh, or an argument in their relationship, and they're not willing to do that. Now, Is that really the truth? Will it always create tension or argument? No. Uh, Does having a tension in a conversation ruin the spiritual conversation? Actually, the research says no. Uh, It tells us that the majority of all people, Christians and non-Christians are actually glad they had their most recent spiritual conversation. The, The dominant emotions people experience in spiritual conversations are peace, joy, and laughter. So actually, and, and, and if, if there's tension in the conversation or not, actually the research tells us does not move the needle on whether or not someone was glad they had that conversation. So it doesn't ruin everything, even if there is some tension. All that being said aside, there is a perception, Carmen. There is this fear of offense that Christians have that they feel, if I bring up my faith. It is going to be this uh, tension, argumentative, awkward, uncomfortable thing uh, that could affect my relationship. Now,
0: okay, so Don, yeah. So, okay, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'd love, I'd love to um, equip our listeners today. And again, we're talking with Don Everts. We're talking about his latest book, which is. Uh, the reluctant witness discovering the delight of spiritual conversations. Let's move people from fear to delight in the next segment. Like how do I become a person who delights in spiritual conversations? Because there's some really positive research out there about how open people are to spiritual conversations. And so we really need not fear. That's up next here with Don Everts on Mornings with Carmen.
2: We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit
0: and his I'm talking with Don Everts Spirit about Reluctant Witness. Um, he is sometimes uh, reluctant to call himself an evangelist, but uh, he certainly is. He's a writer for Lutheran Hour Ministries. He's an associate pastor at Bonham Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, Missouri. He's a speaker and a trainer for Alpha and InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. He's got lots of books. If you've never read Jesus with Dirty Feet, Or you've never read I Once Was Lost. Those are awesome. I also love Breaking the Huddle if you're looking for something in terms of uh, your church and getting sort of out of the way you've always done things and into a new way of doing them. Those are all great. His latest book is The Reluctant Witness. That's the one we're talking about today, discovering the delight of spiritual conversations. So, Don, move us from, like, this reluctant fear that we have into this place of delight.
3: Wonderful. So— one thing that is really important for people to understand and the research made this so clear is we are so afraid of offending people. Uh, we are so afraid that to have spiritual conversations because we think things like uh, spiritual conversations only happen in special times in special places with special preferably ordained people. Uh, We think spiritual conversations are serious and sober things that we have to give the right answer. Otherwise, we will jeopardize someone's eternity. Uh, And here's the reality. Those are all myths that we have about spiritual conversations that just are not true. And the research bashes those myths. It tells us that People love having spiritual conversations. They enjoy having spiritual conversations. They would rather have a spiritual conversation. Non-Christian's preferred conversation partner is not a religious professional like me. Their preferred person to talk to about these things is a friend. Someone, someone that they already know that is already in their life, in their everyday life. The, the gospel wants to be shared in the warm light of friendship. Uh, and 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 people don't want gurus who have the right answer. The research tells us this. They want someone like, more like an awkward Sherpa than a guru at the top of the mountain. They want someone to walk alongside them and 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 handle their questions with dignity. Uh, and so part of it is just helping people get over this stigma we have about spiritual conversations uh, and then being equipped. People, folks aren't uh, folks don't feel equipped like they did 25 years ago to share about their faith. And so to gain some tools. So here's one little example, Carmen. Um, Most people tend to have kind of a binary assumption about uh, the faith, right? You're either not a Christian or you're a Christian. And we know that that's true, but people tend to think, well, evangelism is I got to do whatever I can to make them flip that switch. And so I got to argue them across the line or whatever. What the eager conversationalists teach us, and these are the quarter of all Christians who are having a blast, Carmen. They're they're, they're like you. (laughs) They're they're having lots of spiritual conversations and they're loving it and they're fruitful. One of the things they teach us is to adapt to the person that they're talking to, to not assume that every non-Christian is the same and that you have some kind of memorized speech, you know, that you kind of blather at them. Rather, they adapt to where their conversation partner is. And so if their conversation partner is un, unreceptive to the faith, they don't try to force it. They try to gain a hearing and build trust. If they are receptive to the faith, they they try to give good news and share stories about what Jesus has done in their life. And if they're actively seeking, then they help guide them to faith, right? They explore their questions with them. They clarify the gospel. And so that ability, that th- this is, I think, what uh, Paul called us to, uh, you know, in Colossians 4, he said, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, uh, making the most use of the time. And, he, and, and, and then he said, uh, but always be gracious and figure out how to answer each person. Boy, now, that's fun, right? Be, being gracious, n- noticing those divine moments uh, and, and figuring out how to meet someone where they are rather than saying, whenever you can, burp up some pre-memorized stuff about Jesus. That doesn't sound fun. But meeting people where they are, uh, trying to help them take that next step towards Jesus. If, if they're if they're distrustful, build build some trust, chat with them, relate with them to try to gain a hearing. So that is what we're about. And, and, and trying to help Christians kind of lay down this false task that they've picked up. That is this, you know, spiritual conversations are somehow onerous things and they're not. People really enjoy them. And especially Peter put it this way always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Right. When we all tend to remember that. But then he says, but do it with gentleness and respect. And we tend Uh to forget that. And I I think that's why the cat's got our tongue, because we want to do things gently and and respectfully. But we for somewhere we picked up this false test that, you know, evangelism is somehow argumentative or mean or uh, or whatever. So. Well the uh, way
0: I frame one of the ways that I frame it um is that we many of us were were trained or raised or reared or have exposure to apologetics that is strictly yes. propositional and propositional apologetics is not conversational it's not it's not narrative it's not um it's not relational and so um I feel like we're living in a in a day and time when each one of us sort of needs to be retrained trained again or anew equipped again um, for the kind of apologetics, for the kind of the tilling of the cultural soil that exists today, not the soil that existed 25 or 30 years ago. I mean, culture has changed. People are sure. different. I mean, they're all unique. I don't know. Somebody said it this way. You can't step in the same river twice, right? Cause the river has changed and you have changed and you just can't do that. So, um, so yeah, there is no, there is no script, but there is this ongoing, um, this real relationship that I have with God, that's restored through Jesus yes. Christ by grace, um, in which I walk by faith with the Spirit, like that's an ongoing relationship. And really, what I'm trying to do as a Christian is press that up against the life of a non-believer, or uh, you know, or a skeptic, or a person who has lost faith, and say, "All right, mine's still real. Like this is real." Yeah, yeah. And just Especially say, you know, because people love that authenticity.
3: They do, and you're exactly right, Carmen. That that the game has changed in the modern era. People were asking the question, does your gospel make logical, rational sense? And so that's what that's gave birth to apologetics, because we answered, here's how the faith makes logical, rational sense. But today, people are asking the question, does your gospel work in life? And what you're saying is, let's learn how to answer that question. Because if your neighbor is saying, does your gospel work in your everyday life? And our answer is, yes, it makes logical, rational sense. Well, then we're not talking. (laughs) We're, we're not meeting people where they are and we can get better trained to do what you said, Carmen to be able to say, yes, it works in real life here's something Jesus has done in my life lately that's what we gotta get better at these days and be trained in how to do that and be thoughtful about here's a difference Jesus is making in my life that actually answers the questions that people are asking people care just as much about truth today they just ascribe veracity they decide if something is true or not based on different data points. And we need to adapt to that.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, I, I love this conversation. I hope we get to continue it. Don Everts, uh, you guys can where do you want people to find you online? Because it's clearly not Twitter.
3: <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> I am on Facebook, but, uh, you know, they can see some of the stuff that I'm up to these days. If I'm working for Lutheran Hour, if they go to lhmorg conversations,
0: all right, LHM.
3: A lot of my stuff to equip people to have conversations.
0: I love that. All right, LHM.org slash conversations. That's where you're going to find Don Everts, Reluctant Witness. You can find everywhere books are sold. Thank you so much for the conversation today. We'll be right back. All right, so I just want to tease this one more time in this hour, and then we will do it next hour as well. If you want to be equipped, to speak the truth and bring God back into every conversation in much the same spirit that we just talked with Don Everts. Uh, You can get a free copy of my book, which is Speak the Truth, today by texting 877-933-2484. We need your full name and mailing address. You can also email that same information to Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Get a free copy. Get a free copy of Speak the Truth, how to bring God back into every conversation today. We'll be right back.